What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review and nerd news podcast. That's right, you're tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. This week, we will be reviewing the classic Dawn of the Dead in this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. Also, we in the first half of the show, we'll be talking nerd news and Diesel's movie triple stuff. But before we can get to any of that, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. Let's start off with the first nerd. Ladies and gentlemen, just this past weekend, he had to clean up not one, not two, not ten, not forty, but fifty. Fifty piles of puke as the downtown Binghamton Hollow Weekend special ran on throughout the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to our hero that doesn't wear a cape, Ron. Had to do all that. That's why I took an extra day off. Yeah, damn right you had to. And then the other nerd doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, it is hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Rain Man, hashtag Diesel Malenko because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller. Of course, I'm talking about Diesel. Trick or treat, bitches. That is that how you go to doors? Oh, yeah. <laughs> would you still go trick or treating? I know we're recording on Halloween, but if we weren't recording right now, would you go and get a, like, just put a shitty ass mask on and go trick or treating as an adult? Or do you think that if you're going trick or treating as an adult, you have to be decked out? I would just go with a plastic mask and a uh, pillowcase. Ron, by the way, I, I let's ask this around the table. Do you think that as an adult you should be trick-or-treating? And do you think if an adult showed up to your door to get candy, would you give the adult candy or is it just for the kids? Nah, it's just for the kids. <laughs> All right. Diesel? It depends on what they're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's good, you'd give it to them. Or if it's, in your case, if it's probably a little risque and they were a female. Yes, you are definitely getting the full-size candy bar <laughs> at that point. <laughs> but unfortunately, Diesel only has fun size. Mm-hmm. Well, him and I both. If you can't, if you can't figure it out already, we are recording on Halloween, and you're, and most of you, unless you're on Patreon, are going to hear this the day after. So, uh, happy uh, Day of the Dead for all of you, what, what? and uh, happy Halloween if you are on Patreon. With that being said, Ron, how has been your week? Uh, it's been a week. Uh, no D and D on either groups, uh, so that's been the boring part. Uh, work. I worked overtime Thursday night. So I worked a 17-hour shift and took Friday off and then decided to take today off because a four-day weekend just sounded much better than a three-day weekend. You can't argue those points. Diesel, how has your week been? The the complete opposite. Ron had a four-day weekend. I worked my second job. I had a zero-day weekend. (laughs) But it was a good weekend. Um, It was pretty quiet down here. And then we went and all saw Dawn of the Dead, and me and Rich had a nice dinner over at TGI Fridays where we kind of like... Cut it close to the edge. We almost beat. We almost <laughs> missed the buzzer. Uh, it's a little slower of service, but the food was tasty. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was everywhere, though, Where when I went with uh, to Michelangelo, so it was the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, had a great, as you heard from Diesel, Saturday we had a good time. Went to see uh, Dawn of the Dead in the theaters in 3D. That's why it was this week's uh, 3FN Movie Club review. Also, uh, while we were at it, we uh, I was at a football game for my son. It was his last regular season game for varsity football. I had to drive an hour away from where I live for that. And then we found out they've made the playoffs, so next week there's another game. So it wasn't his last game. And then Sunday, 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 I had to drive an hour in the complete opposite direction uh, for an all-day lacrosse tournament for him as well. So it's it's been a busy keeping up with my kids' sports stuff, but uh, overall, you know, I can't complain. Nice. It's been good overall. Well, I hope everybody at home also had a great week and hope they have a great week this week as well. Before we can go any further, though, Diesel, I think we need to drop some shameless pug- plugs on these folks. And, of course, uh, if you would like all information about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Visit 3FNPodcast.com. All of our social media links are there. The Patreon link is there. Patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, and you help support the show. The link is on the website, so make sure you check that out. Also, there is our link for the Tee Public Store. Buy some swag, help support the show, and we love to see that nerdware in the wild. Also, while you're there, check out friends of the show, like the ODPH Podcast. You get a link right to their show from them and a link right over to their website. On top of that, there's the musical directory for the bands who allow us to use their music copyright-free. Big shout-outs to Shout at the Robots, who do our theme song, Fail Better, each and every week that you hear here on the 3FN Podcast. For all of them and everybody else, make sure you're supporting them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, at 3FNPodcast.com, we have the local sponsors who help bring this show to you commercial-free each and every week. But we're going to give them a quick shout-out right now. Firstly, the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios. That would be Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. And also, thank you to Rex to Rod's Auto Detailing, located at 2004 North Street in Endicott, New York. To call for an appointment, call 607-644-3389. When you're ready to put the pride back in your ride, don't forget to tell them three pet nerds sent you. Yes, and last but not least, our good friends at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. I know it doesn't go down until the 25th and 26th of August in 2023, but there's a lot of exciting things coming up, including sales, sales, and more sales. For all that information and the celebrities that will be coming as the announcements roll out, you're going to want to make sure you visit them at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And all of those great links, once again, can be found at 3FNPodcast.com. That's right, Diesel. That is right. That is how you kill a shameless plug. But let's dive right into the first part of the show because it's time for this week's... Edition of Thunder News. Bing, bang, boom. Bing, bang. He nailed it again, folks. Two weeks in a row. When will it stop? Nobody knows. Uh, Like last week, we kind of bragged a little bit, a little prematurely. And we said, hey, Marvel did us a big favor. (laughs) And they gave us the big trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, brother. But they didn't do us a huge favor because the next day they did their normal. (laughs) And they gave another trailer that we'd been waiting for. And, of course, that is the trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, which will be hitting Disney Plus very soon. Uh, this was our first look at it. We've known it's been in production for a couple years now. It is part of the MCU, but it is MCU adjacent, as yeah. they've been calling it. 
Uh, after seeing the first trailer, Ron, how are you feeling about Guardians of the Galaxy's holiday special? I'm fine with it. It's, it's got enough comedy beats in it to keep it going. I, I'll watch it like everything else. It's it's going to be a fun little watch. Run, Kevin Bacon, run. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so cute. Um, obviously, the basic plot is Quinn's sad. Uh, Quill is sad because Gamora's you know, doing her thing. Not the same Gamora. And the Guardians want to cheer him up. And you got to get Earth's greatest hero, Kevin Bacon, yep. to cheer him up. <laughs> well, listen, Kevin Bacon has been Earth's greatest hero for as long as I can remember, since the days of Footloose. Yep. I, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying what we saw in the holiday special. It definitely looks leaps and bounds above the Star Wars holiday special from all those years ago. And I, I do I do dig this. I do think that James Gunn caught the spirit of the holiday season while giving us a little fun teaser for the world of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Diesel, is there anything you are hoping happens in this special? Uh, I, I'm kind of hoping we don't get a full resolution, but we uh, get a little teaser of what's going to happen with Gamora. That's a good one. Uh, Ron, anything you would like to add? No, I mean, like I said, it's going to be solid, and that's probably what it is. It's just to fill in some spots yeah. to the next movie. So you might get a tease of Adam Warlock. You might get something else. You know, not saying he's going to be there, just that you might at the end. Yeah. I mean, with the announcement of, like, a Silver Surfer show, like, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that you yeah. can add to this that could add it. Just be a little tease. Absolutely. I do hope this is the connecting piece that we need going into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Also, be, judging by the uh, poster of uh, Drax and Mantis uh, laying on the ground next to each other, passed out drunk with uh, <laughs> holiday stuff around them, I'm hoping that we get that love story more rolling. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by that love story. Yes. We all don't have to wait too much longer because, once again, like I said, Disney Plus, November 25th is when the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special will be dropping. Speaking, though, of huge news involving one James Gunn, we got probably the biggest news that we've been waiting for, kind of on bated breath, for a long time. And we speculated, like everybody else, what the decision was going to come down from WB Discovery as to the new head, or heads in this case, of DC Studios. And we weighed out a lot of people. We, 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 I'm going to be honest. The person that they chose. I even said, there's no way they can afford that. There's hemorrhaging money. What are they going to be doing? But they didn't just choose one person. They chose two. And like I said, it ties in because James Gunn and Peter Safran have been named as the co-heads, co-CEOs, if you will, of DC Studios. Uh, Safran will be overlooking all of the financial stuff and all the logistics. And Gunn will be in charge of creative. This is a four to five year deal. Uh, depending upon which source you're looking at, but it is uh, kind of long-term. We're going to talk about some more particulars in a second. However, I want to get your first opening reactions when you heard this news. Diesel, how do you feel about this big blockbuster news from WBD and DC Studios? This is great news. We've been talking for years now that this is what they need. They needed their their version of a Kevin Fahey. Now, now you got new heads. You got one that's going to worry about the finances, and you got one that is going to drive the vision behind what they're doing. This is great. Absolutely. Ron, how's your feelings on this? This is fine. This is exactly what you need, um, especially with Gunn being in charge of the story side of everything. Like, he's proven time and time again heroes, the random miscellaneous heroes and villains that nobody really cares about. He has turned into epic on-screen uh, characters that people fall in love with and let it go. And, the and him not having to worry about finances because he'll have somebody else to do that for him 
is freaking amazing. I agree 110%. I can't wait to see what they do here. Uh, there is some convolution, though, going on. There's not exacts known right now, but it is being heavily rumored and reported by reputable sources, uh, sources such as THR and Deadline that it is not as simple as you are in charge of DC Studios. Only certain things apply to DC Studios. Some things that are not considered DC Studios. One will be the Joker sequel, uh, Fale de De Do. Yeah. Uh, that is not guided by DC Studios. It will have a DC Studios mark on it, but it is not as it is Warner Brothers as a whole. Also, Matt Reeves' Batman universe is not under the authority of DC Studios. They are handing the reins completely to Matt Reeves. Uh, as we've heard, there's a ton of stuff, and we're going to be talking about something new that just came out with that camp as well. But we've been hearing about the horror movies that he's going to do of different uh, characters, including uh, Professor Pig was the one that came up first. Uh, the Batman 2 is not expected for a few years. Yeah. Uh, in between there, we have other TV shows. We have the Arkham Asylum show that they've been talking about that we know is still going forward as of right now. And they're definitely going forward with the Penguin show, which we're going to be talking about in a minute. So that will also not be under the umbrella of DC Studios. However, they will be control in, in control of uh, anything Superman, Aquaman, Flash, uh, you know, obviously Shazam, Black Adam, especially since that's a new hit thing. So I, I still think that there's a lot of opportunity there. And of course, as we know, James Gunn likes to play with lesser characters. This could be a big win for uh, DC Studios and us as fans in the DC movie universe. Uh, how do you guys feel about the fact that he's not in control, although of 100% of the things? Start with you, Ron. It's fine. Let him do, you know, it, it is what it is. You knew it was going to happen when on how well the Batman did and them pushing forward with the Batman, the Penguin, the Joker uh, to like, you just kind of had to have that whole thing where there might be these like these characters are kind of off limits right now. So let them go do their thing. So we're not flooding the market with a bunch of other Batman stuff, all that stuff. We don't really need Batman and DC and I'm a Batman fan. So we don't really need it right now. Let's get this ball rolling to get things situated. Then you can have them pop in as you know, whoever else they put in the cowl will be another thing, but it's fine. I agree with you there, Ron. Diesel, how are your feelings on this? It's great. Um, I think with the Joker thing, like, yeah, you don't want to be part of that Todd Phillips uh, pile right there. <laughs> uh, as far as the Matt Reeves Batman, let that do its own thing. It's probably going to do phenomenally well. But there's nothing that says you can't. we can't flood the market with Batman. We're in 2022. By the time this all takes effect, we all know that, hey, if there's a Batman story going on here, it has nothing to do with this Batman story. We are smart, smarter fans these days. It's not like the 60s where it's like, oh, you can't have two different shows with the same name. We're, we're smart enough where we can follow it. So you can bring in your own Batman and villains yeah. that way. I'm agreeing with you. But then again, DC Studios doesn't necessarily have to even use Batman. Like as far as the side that they are running, they can use, they have this other wealth of characters they can use. And I feel like Matt Reeves is doing such a great job of building a world. And I, this is one of the first times that I'm saying that WBD is not, they're, 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 their MO has been to have too many chefs in the kitchen. And for once, they're taking the chefs out of the kitchen. They're saying, okay, you guys are in charge of this. But Matt Reeves has his own thing that's successful over here. So let him be in charge of his kitchen. Let, you know, whatever's going on with Todd Phillips and this Joker sequel, let them be in a, a musical, I should say. <sighs> let them be in charge of their world. And that's underneath the WBD as a whole. And then over here, you're in charge of just everything else superheroes. I dig that. Just like I said, uh, you know, this isn't a spoiler, but I said last week on the Black Adam episode uh, where we reviewed uh, Black Adam for the 3FN movie review, I will say this. I 
will, and it's not a spoiler for that movie. I think that how that movie was done, if you just keep everything separate and don't do these big ensemble films, I think you're going to have a home run. And I think James Gunn understands that as well. Yeah. Well, let's uh, give you some promise in the Matt Reeves world. Uh, this is right from Deadline, and it broke today as we're recording. Made for Love star Kristen Maloidi is returning to HBO Max as the female lead opposite Colin Farrell in the DC original limited drama series, The Penguin, working title, <laughs> as they point out, a spinoff of Matt Reeves' The Batman. The series expands the upon the world Reeves has created for Warner Brothers Pictures, blockbuster, and centers on the character played by Farrell in the film. Maloidi will play Sophia Falcone, daughter of Carmine Falcone, who was played by John Turturro, in the film, Sophia is fighting with the Penguin, Farrell, for control of the city. The character was prominent on the Fox series Gotham, where Sophia was played by Crystal Reed. Uh, the Penguin is executive produced by Reeves, Dylan Clark, Farrell, Lauren LaFranc, who writes and serves as showrunner, and Craig Zobel, who directs the first two episodes. This looks pretty awesome and promising. Yeah. I know we're all excited for it. Starting with you, Diesel, how do you feel about this casting for The Penguin? I don't really know this actress, but it's good to see that they got the ball rolling. And um, I know they have you know previous uh, iterations of her. Uh, should be pretty good. And uh, that's a story I want to see. You know, The daughter of the, the now-gone crime boss versus the new crime boss. Sounds pretty cool. I think that's. I think you have making solid points, Ron. Yeah, it's a sol- it's the solid way to do the story. I'm glad they're pushing forward with it. I want you know Colin Farrell as the Penguin was something I didn't know I needed in my life until I saw it in the Batman. Can't wait to watch this show. This is just bonus to me. Yep. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. She definitely looks the part. Yep. I could see where she could be John Turturro's daughter. Yeah. So I think they did a great job casting. Uh, I did not see any of her previous works, but once again. I think just from like what we have in the sight test, she looks like she could play the part. Hopefully, she uh, thrives in it because that's a big, robust world. Colin Farrell, I love as the Penguin. Yeah. So you don't, you just have to be good enough to carry your own weight because mm-hmm. Colin's going to carry the rest. Let's just throw that one out there. Speaking of news that broke today on Halloween, as we record, uh, the Peacock has got some big news. Our wait for Friday the Thirteenth. Is, prob- is possibly and probably over. The world of Friday the 13th is ready for an expanded prequel, in quotations, what? from this article from The Hollywood Reporter. From creator Brian Fuller in Peacock is going to be home to the goings-on at Crystal Lake, the first new installment in the Friday franchise since a much-maligned reboot in 2009. It's a sign that the series, which had been in legal limbo for years after the original screenwriter Victor Miller successfully terminated the copyright transfer of the first movie screenplay, is ready to return turn and get ready to class up the joint hey you ready for this ron are you sitting down yes you are a24 is going to produce the series for nbc universal with miller serving as an executive producer and consultant according to variety who first reported the news intellectual property attorney mark toberoff who represented miller and also had similar suits where he worked with the estates of jerry siegel and jack kirby will also serve as an executive producer uh, so A24, Victor Miller is taking, and Victor Miller, the writer of the script of the original Friday the 13th, is taking his portion. What he owns is that's the intellectual property leading into the first movie and everything that it was established in the first movie to, to go ahead and greenlight this prequel series coming to the Peacock produced by A24. Uh, I'm I, after the debacle that was the Halloween ends. <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's not Blumhouse, but you know, Ron, since you're the bigger horror fan, what do you feel about the news of the Friday the Thirteenth prequel series coming to Peacock as early as next year? Can't we just go back to the '90s 
thir- Friday the 13th series where they were chasing artifacts. That would be fun, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't like, think it's going to happen. Like, this is going to be bad, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I had hope until I heard about A23. And, like, A24, uh, you mean? A24. And the whole, you know, it's a prequel thing. Like, we already know what happens. You drowned in a lake and... You know, Mama came around and killing people. Like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Okay, Diesel, what are you thinking? I, I don't know what you're uh, you're all pitching about. Like, A twenty four puts nothing out but quality products. <laughs> Only because you say that because freaking your favorite actor got killed. Jeez, I'll tell you that uh, that's because you don't watch the movies that aren't good from A twenty four. Oh, they're all good. I've seen them all. <laughs> you have not. Oh, seen I'm a them huge all. fan of A twenty four. You have not seen them all. What did you think of Men? <laughs> Men was great. You saw it? Yeah, well, absolutely. When amazing. You, when and where did you see it? I see men all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I, 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 you know what? As much as I like to pick on A twenty four, they do make some good films. They made arguably the best film of the year and uh, this year. So I don't know. I just don't know if we need a prequel. No, I'm just throwing that out there. What we need is a new Friday Thirteenth movie. Unfortunately, both Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham have to sign off for that. There is rumors that that may happen, but I have a feeling that the rumors that that may have happened are what we're finding out now with this series, and that's scary. Yeah, didn't Young Jason have that like grotesque face? Yes. Oh, you're all in because it's like your favorite comedy, The Mask. No, I was thinking you get the kid that played in Wonder. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Well, as you know, we like to end the nerd news on a fun topic or one that we can make fun. And James Cameron, you know, ahead of Avatar, the way of the water, uh, sat down with the New York Times and had a chit chat and uh, had some interesting comments. Are you ready for some James Gunn or not James Gunn? Sorry, James Cameron quotes it was James Gunn. I'd be a lot more happier. All right, here it goes. When I took at when I look at these big spectacular films, I'm looking at you, Marvel and DC. It doesn't matter how old the characters are; they all act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. Cameron detailed to the New York Times continues by saying they never hang up their spurs because of their kids. The things that really ground us and give us power, love, and purpose? Question mark. Those characters don't experience it, and I think that's not the way to make movies. End quote. Once again, sour boy James Cameron bitching about comic book movies. Let's start this one with you, Diesel. What do you think about James Cameron's quotes here? I mean, he's not entirely wrong with some properties, but the entire premise of Hawkeye was balancing being a hero and being there for your family and like the trials and tribulations that go behind that. I don't think like the overwhelming majority of comic book movies fall under his guys there but there are some that definitely do where i'm definitely agreeing with you i would say that even like look at the avengers curve as a whole i mean avengers endgame very emotional dealt strictly with family yeah i mean think about it. tony stark has hung it up because of a family later on we get to find out all the things that wanda would do for a family so i i think that he's really off base honestly yeah. ant-man and the wasp is primarily about family yeah. you know we're right now i'm currently sounding like i'm fucking dom toretto <laughs> talking about uh, marvel movies family. uh ron what are your thoughts before i jump in because i have an interesting take here i mean that isn't that what avatar basically is is a comic book movie just he made it without bingo putting, like like blue giant blue people and humans being able to take their bodies and or make bodies to go do their own thing and live a life in blue said people's world yes but in avatar they do what they don't do in the comic book movies 
They show their spirituality to a giant, stupid, fucking glowing tree. Nobody and, gives a shit. And stick their tails in things. Oh, and- that's kind of hot. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, isn't just Avatar like a story of cultural appropriation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, you know, the white man came in and, and stole the big blue people stuff. Yep. And you know Sounds what? Sounds familiar to another movie called Dances with Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> what they said in that movie, you can't stop progress. Bulldoze that planet to the ground. Well, here's my take here. And this is not just James Cameron's comments here. We've talked about his other comments in the past. We've talked about Scorsese's comments. We've talked about a bunch of other directors, uh, Tim Burton last week. I think the problem here is it's called relevancy. These actor or these directors, sorry, have now gone on and instead of just going out and giving us classic fucking amazing films like they used to have either taken years and years off like James Cameron or have been on such a drought as far as good content like Tim Burton that they have to feel special about it. And even somebody like Scorsese, which I don't think Scorsese would ever do a comic book movie, but it's been a while since we've seen a good Scorsese film because he hasn't put one out in a while. Mm. And that's fine. If he wants to do less in his older age, God bless you. And whenever a Scorsese film comes out, he's the one out of these three that I'm like, oh, it's still a big deal. We still get the big, you know, revealed the departed was huge you know then he turned down to shutter island like there's a lot of like great things that he's done even in his later years and we're not even talking about the legendary career he had in the seven you know think about it. he's had decades of legendary career he's always put out something great and that's fine but it's like you don't have to compete with the comic book movies you know how i know this top gun maverick did amazing Top Gun Maverick did more than any comic book movie in the pandemic. Let me rewind and say that again for the people in the back. Top Gun Maverick made more money in the box office than any comic book movie that has come out since the pandemic started. Am I wrong? It's actually made more money than any comic book movie that's come out with the exception of Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And in the States, it did not surpass Black Panther. Because Black Panther in the United States is the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Just from domestic dollar, not counting international. So that's the only thing, that's the only movies that it did not surpass. Internationally, worldwide, the only comic book movies it did not surpass were Endgame and Infinity War. Domestically, Endgame, Infinity War, and Black Panther. Um, Not comic book movie. Proving once again that if you put out a good movie... The people like they will continue to go see it and you can you can compete with the big dogs you can run with the big dogs the problem is is that james cameron knows that it's been too much time between avatar and avatar 2 and people don't give a fuck about avatar way of the water it's not it doesn't have the buzz and if you do love that movie and you're gonna go see it that's cool subject you know you we we always say be a fan of what you're a fan of but the buzz is well here's the thing taking our feelings about it out of the out of the equation just looking at it from a business standpoint there isn't a buzz there is no buzz going into that movie and that's except for the fan base what what is left of the fan base that is just the bottom line so why do you set yourself up for the fail and say oh it's because of these big bad comic book movies we can't get anything done in the theaters but then turn around and, and just use that as a crutch to make subpar movies, in my opinion. I, am I wrong? Uh, we'll start with you, Diesel. No, it's, it, it's, it's a nice little coping mechanism where if the movie does fail, he has a reason in his own mind why it failed. Because it's not a comic book movie. Right. So it's just self-defense. So it's just a, but it's it's not, like, just put out better movies. Like, if, if you don't like the comic book movies, make a smaller movie that doesn't have to deal with that stuff. 
But, like, I don't know. I missed the whole thing on Avatar. It's never been my thing. I'm not the target audience for it, but, like, it doesn't look good. No, I agree with you. And I, once again, I just I, as I joke about it, it's always Kevin Costner movies. The first one, Dancing with Wolves with Blue People. This one seems to be Waterworld with Blue People. Yeah. That's just my takeaway. Ooh, the third one's going to be The Postman. Well, yeah, we've made that joke, and I, I stand by it. My thing of the matter is, is this, whenever this comes up, how about we focus? You know what director we don't hear shit on comic book movies? That's a, probably the greatest director of all time? Steven Spielberg. True. Why? Because Steven Spielberg goes out there and is still making fucking movies. No matter how you felt about West Side Story, it made a lot of money. It mm-hmm. did. You know, since pandemic era. Yes, money is down in pandemic era. But once again... West Side Story making a few, you know, half a billion dollars, and then fucking uh, Top Gun Maverick making all the money, yeah. well over a billion, and still like in, enough of a draw that it stayed on the box office report for what twenty some weeks. Yeah, it Diesel, was on there for a while. it was fucking a long time. Like people just kept going to see it. It was in the top five, not just on the report, not like oh it dropped to ten or fifteen, and we even mentioned it. It was in the top five for like twenty some weeks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So you can't say, and that has nothing to do with comic book movie. You know, I, as much as I love Tom Cruise, he wasn't uh, Tony Stark in that movie. No. It wasn't a Transformers flick. You know what no. I mean? It was literally top fucking gun sequel that we've waited 35 years for. And I guess maybe that's part of it. But if that's the case, then make some kind of opus like that. If you're James Cameron, make us a, a sequel to The Abyss, which we've all been waiting for for fucking ever. Make us a sequel to T2. Like, not a shitty Terminator movie, an actual real yeah. sequel. Retcon the other ones out. You T- take the fucking helm and give us T- T3. Yeah. I'm just T- saying. T2 Part B. Yeah, <laughs> just, something. call it T3 because, yeah. and, and just be, we're retconning all the shit that happened after T2. Here's the direct sequel. Guess what? I bet you people would go see that fucking movie. In a heartbeat. Uh, you know what I mean? So, like, it's not like these guys don't have the answers. And if you're coming up with good original stuff, going back to Scorsese. Scorsese puts out, a, you know, hasn't put out a movie, a big movie in a while. But think about it. When he puts out a movie, it does well. And his are original. Departed, Shutter Island, all original stuff. Go back to the day, you know. Like, I think that the problem is that everybody's gotten in this cookie-cutter way and they're not just expanding on ideas. It's not like Spielberg's coming back and doing fucking Jaws 5 or a reboot of Jaws. Yeah. He doesn't have to. He made the probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest movie of all time in Jaws. It's, it's move on. <laughs> Let's make more shit. And like I said, whether you whatever you feel about his last project, which was West Side Story, it still made money. Enough people went to see it. And he's got more projects coming because he's Spielberg. And once again, Spielberg don't give a fuck about no comic book movies. As a matter of fact, he said, oh, maybe someday I'll do one. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Why? Because he's making money, making his original, col- uh, original content and growing IPs. See, he's a man who knew about growing IPs before everybody else did. Oh, yeah. I salute Steven Spielberg. So, guys, I just hate the sour grapes because all it is is preparing yourself to fail. Why aren't you telling us why we should be looking forward to Avatar 2? Why aren't you telling us why we should be looking forward to whatever the fuck it is that Tim Burton's doing next? You know, why aren't you guys selling us on that shit? Instead of saying, well, you know, the reason we can't get shit done is because these comic book movies make all this money. Okay. (laughs) Top Gun Maverick's a thing. Explain around that. Yeah, and people go to the movies. It doesn't have to be, like, people aren't being like, oh, I, I can't go to this movie because there's a new comic book movie coming out. People are going to the movies regardless. It's every week. It's a different genre on the top. Like it's yeah. people go to the movies. Halloween ends made 60 some million dollars. It's opening weekend in the theaters, right? 
just domestically, not counting internationally. I think it was around 80-something internationally. So if you think about it that way, and it was on the fucking Peacock. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, I'm not talking about our review of it, or if you want, you can go back and listen to us a couple episodes ago. At the end of the day, though, it still made like $80 million worldwide, $60 million domestic on its opening weekend when you could watch it on the Peacock for $4.99. That just tells you people are going back to the theaters. There's a movie in the theaters with a good friend of ours, David Howard Thornton, in called Terrifier 2. They had a very limited run, but it keeps growing. And guess what? That $250,000 movie has now turned into $7.5 million yeah. at the at the box office on limited amount of screens with limited amount of showings and is now debuting on Screenbox to huge numbers. I heard Screenbox is going crazy about their servers because oh. people want to see this fucking movie. Yeah. So don't tell me original content's not being rewarded. And that is on the farther end because it's gore porn, if you will. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. So I'm just saying, stop making excuses, guys. It's all I'm saying. I love, I love, and there's nothing against Jim Cameron because I, I love his work. Big time T2 fan, big time Abyss fan. Like I think I, I even, I'm even the guy that maybe says that Abyss is better than T2. I know it's sacrilegious, but the Abyss was amazing. I haven't watched the Abyss in a while. I have to rewatch. Amazing movie. So like, why don't we go back to that shit? You've, you've done other things. I mean, well, you were too busy fucking making dives into the Titanic. Maybe you should have been going into do different movies. Talk about college relationship movies. <laughs> <laughs> fucking you know movie I mean? about a goddamn fling on a boat in a car. What the fuck? There wasn't there wasn't even historically factual lots of errors. <laughs> a, a man made lake that hadn't even been built yet is where he was uh, doing his uh, summer times. Yep. <laughs> oh. You, you got to think about these things, Jim. Got to think about them. Love you. Love your work, but fuck. Stop blaming other things. Make better movies. Is all I say. I say that to all of Hollywood, though. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Nerd News. But don't you fret. You know when the Nerd News ends, we just march right on over to... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. Um, slight come down on the uh, box office this week. People are still going out, but coming in at number five with $3.8 million, Halloween ends. Ooh, that was a big fall. But once again, I'm more impressed by its opening numbers, seeing that it was streaming the same day on the Peacock. So I expected this to be a lower movie. So kudos to them for making what they did in the box office with the open on Peacock as well. Coming in at number four, Smile with another $5 million. That's worth all the fucking monies. You know what? It's that and Barbarian, my favorite horror movies of the year. I'm not even going to lie. Pray for the Devil comes in with $7 million. I do want to see that movie, and I, I think I'm going to make some time this weekend yeah. to go see it. I'll let you know, Ron. Ticket to Paradise, the real horror movie of this list, with another $10 million. You know, it's still making money. People people love them some Clooney and Roberts, and they also love some rom-com. Yeah, I got to go see it this weekend. My sister wants to go. Ah, little sister bonding time. Yeah, yeah you know. And number one this week, uh, with $27.7 million, Black Adam on its second week. You know, that had a little bit of a fall. I understand that as well. But you know what? I still think that's decent. The, yeah. the age of pandemic box office, there's always going to be a big fall. I love how people put up these percentage numbers. But let's be honest. It's been going that way forever. The only thing that stayed around for a long time was uh, Top Gun Maverick. But if you remember, it was below $10 million most of those weeks. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where, yes, people will still filter in to see it. But it's going to be a big because it's on to the next one, on to the yeah. next one, because the people that are going to the theater are the same people. So really, the second week is a few new people and somebody who's going yeah. to re- rewatch the movie. All right. Coming out this week on November 4th, Armageddon Time. 
Oh, yeah. I'm hoping uh, that's coming near sometime. I hope they expand it because I'd really like to see that movie. A Magical Christmas Village. Oh, it's so magical. It's, it's, it's the right time of year for these Christmas movies. <laughs> and Missing. Missing? Well, how are we going to watch it if it's Missing? Oh, I thought it was a Deborah Messing story. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Messing. Yeah, missing. <laughs> <laughs> and then coming out next week, the big hitter, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Wakanda oh. Forever. There it is. Also coming out next week, Spirited and The Friendship Game. I can't wait for Wakanda Forever. I was sitting at I was sitting at home the other day and just like I don't re- I don't remember anticipating a movie this much for a while. Like I, I, I didn't think I I knew I was excited for it, but when I'm sitting at home going, Oh fucking watch this movie. Like can you know, this is the one time where I was like, Man, maybe I should start playing nice and giving giving like cheap like reviews that you know with, with high scores even though they don't deserve it. Yeah. The thing so I might be able to start going getting some screeners for some shit or some early viewings. I'm just throwing it out there. This is kinda of the, the one movie. I don't know how I'm gonna get on that Disney list, but I'm gonna have to kiss <laughs> some ass. I might have to offer diesel services if you catch my drift. I'm just saying I'm just saying, Disney people, very womanly. Very <laughs> Womanly, yeah, but they they like it manly, so you know. <laughs> well, you, n- you never know. You never know. I just find it funny that just like Kevin Feige's stated that it, a Namor solo film will depend on Black Panther two. I'm like, okay, so basically there's going to be a Namor solo film because Black Panther two is going to make all the money, dude. So. It's going to make a ton yeah. of money. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? Uh, we're a couple weeks out. I know we usually speculate next week, but I'm going to speculate right now. This movie easily makes over a hundred million dollars opening week. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah I, I, and once again, even this is with pandemic numbers, uh, where they're always lower. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first movie since the pandemic where the opening week is over 200 million yeah, I, I honestly I, I wouldn't it. be surprised I can see that because it's right around the time yeah it's perfect timing it's also something and that then, people want to see that trailer that first trailer hits it all at home oh absolutely well Diesel that's going to bring us to the uh, 3FN staple the top 3 your top 3 favorite zombie mediums whether it be movies shows whatever what are your favorite zombie experience so movies shows comic books anything yep. anything we can pick anything anything all right i like this so i'm in my number three spot gonna put something me and you talked about the other day and i don't want to hear this bullshit there was a virus 28 days later yep <laughs> i love that movie and yes it's a virus but it is still a fucking zombie movie you know what i mean number two is going to be a piece of different media Marvel Zombies. Ooh. I love Marvel Zombies. The first run, actually, the first three arcs were really good, but the first arc in particular, fantastic. If you're a comic book reader and you've never read the first run of Marvel Zombies, get Marvel Unlimited and check that out. Yes. Also, the other subsequent runs are good as well, but the first run is fucking mwah, chef's kiss. And my number one, and it's kind of weird because we, uh, it's it's the movie we were reviewing in the second yeah. half of the show, the three FM movie. Uh, club review, and that of course is uh, Dawn of the Dead. I do love Day of the Dead as well, but there's just something about Dawn of the Dead, and we were talking about this when we came out of the theater that makes me just love that movie. So Dawn of the Dead is my number one. Go ahead, Ron. All right, so I'm taking one from each, like the top three. Yeah. It's they can go in any spot you want to put them. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to back off uh, Rich with Marvel Zombies, but I'm going to do Marvel Zombies versus the Army of uh, Darkness because that was a fun little crossover. Uh, we'll just throw numbers uh, numbers for number two. We'll go Resident Evil 4. Uh, it's actually one of the first Resident Evil games I actually enjoyed playing. Uh, then uh, number one, um, just because you had to put numbers on it, I'm going to say Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is great. Such a great movie. Great movie. Diesel. All right, coming in at number three. After all the zombie fatigue came through, there was a shining little show on sci-fi called Z Nation. 
Ooh, it was a fun take on all the zombie things. Uh, number two, we are also going with 28 Days Later. Uh, this is one of the first like horror movies that I was like, oh, I can make it through these. And if it's zombies, I actually actively enjoy these. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And then number one, I'm sharing with you as well, Dawn of the Dead. When you said that you could get tickets for this, I was like, yes, I'm in. I've, for the longest time, loved this movie and had a blast watching it in 3D. <laughs> oh, Dawn of the Dead is such a good movie. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to be honest. We're going to talk about it in the second half of the show. But the 3D element, was it wasn't terrible. It I mean, I don't really like 3D movies, but I was all right with this 3D yeah. movie. They did some cool, interesting things in it. Well... That's going to do it for the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, it is going to be the 3FN Movie Club Review Time. And of course, as you just heard, that review is going to be our Halloween special even because it is Dawn of the Dead. That is coming up right after this break. All right, guys, this is Jill Whitlow. We are going with the classic 1978 George A. Romero film, Dawn of the Dead. But before we jump into that, I just want to point out, uh, you guys can't see us in studio because obviously this is a podcast, audio platform only. But during uh, the opening, uh, because we envisioned the roller coaster, <laughs> we always, well, I always put my hands up. Sometimes the guys join, but they always at least move with it. <laughs> I was disappointed the only big disappointment I had from going to see Dawn of the Dead in 3D was that the opening of the, the roller coaster was not in 3D. Yeah. yeah. If I pay that extra money to go to a 3D film, Regal, get me a 3D fucking roller coaster. They used to have it. They used to, yes. Remember the popcorn used to pop out at you yep. and everything if you went to a 3D movie. What the fuck is up, man? Damn you, Regal. They don't care about us. They don't. They don't. Michael Jackson was right when he made the song. They don't care about us. <laughs> well, that's enough of me bitching about Regal and they're taking away my 3D roller coaster. Let's uh, focus on what is most important, and that, of course, is the 3FN Movie Club Review. Of course, this week it is our Halloween edition, because as we record, it is Halloween. When it arrives, it is the Day of the Dead. So, you know what? We figured, hey, it's going to arrive on Day of the Dead. We're recording on Halloween. We should do a movie that is something Diesel will watch, A, in the horror realm, and B, that has something to do with the dead. And it clicked. 
Hey, the movie theater is showing a special Dawn of the Dead in 3D all weekend long. Let's go see that and then review the legendary Dawn of the Dead. So that is what we're going to be doing right here and now. Now, for those of you who have uh, not ever been a part of 3FN Movie Club, usually we break this into two parts, the spoiler-free part and then the spoiler part. We are going to still do all the parts, but we're not going to be doing spoiler-free. I can tell you this, we all recommend this film, so we're going to skip recommendation. And because this movie came out in 1978 initially and uh, in the USA in 1979, we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, I don't think that a spoiler alert is necessary. Do you, gentlemen? No. Just know we're going to be talking spoilers about Dawn of the Dead. And if you're new to this show, usually we do a spoiler-free section and then a spoiler-full section so you can dip out and come back after you've seen a movie if it's new. But I feel, I really feel in my soul that it's okay to just do full-on spoilers with this movie. I don't movie. know. 40-some years isn't enough. <laughs> Fuck you, Diesel. So here's the deal. We're still going to give you every uh, all the stats for the film. We're still going to give you you know everything going in, and then we're going to break down the spoiler. And then we're going to give you the game, the game, followed by our nerd scores and my critic review. Gentlemen, are you ready to get the 3FN Movie Club review of Dawn of the Dead on the way? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, so Dawn of the Dead, like I mentioned, originally was released on September 1st of 1978 in Italy. The reason being is that this movie was produced by Giallo legend Dario Argento. Yep. And so this movie was actually made with the budget from Italy. So it was actually made in the United States. It was shot in Western Pennsylvania. But it was made on the dime of uh, Italian producers. So it came out in Italy first. And there's two different cuts. The Italian cut is actually 20 minutes shorter than the American cut. There's added scenes in the American cut. Interesting, isn't it, though? Also, Dario Argento's band, Goblin, does all of the movie. <laughs> the Goblins do all the movie. So, all the soundtrack, I should say, for the movie. Uh, by the way, it was released in the United States on April 13th of 1979, so almost a f- eh, pretty much eight months later. Yeah. Runtime of the movie, and we're going by the American version only, 126 minutes, so two hours and six minutes. Uh, me and Diesel both forgot that this was a two-hour-plus <laughs> movie, and we didn't get drinks, and then we're like, shit, I wonder why I'm thirsty. Uh, the director of this film and the writer are one and the same, and it is the legendary late, great George A. Romero. Uh, keep in mind, everything that I'm about to list, he also wrote, and then I'll give you a couple other movies that he wrote that he didn't direct. So he wrote and direct Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, The Crazies, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Martin, Creep Show, and Monkey Shines. Uh, he, there was others in there. Those are just the ones I listed. Now, keep in mind that I said that he di- wrote and directed all those. He just wrote Creep Show 2, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Yep. So those movies he didn't shoot. He wasn't the director, but he wrote them. And by the way, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, pretty badass. Great movie. Yeah, uh, that brings us to our cinematographer on this movie, Michael Gornick. And this is going to start something that you're going to see throughout is that the people that worked on Romero's classic movies went on, not all of them went on to have long careers, but they went on to have storied careers because these movies are remembered so fondly. Uh, Michael Gornick, in particular, his only credits, besides Dawn of the Dead, are Day of the Dead, Martin, and Creepshow on cinematography. He has directed some movies, and he did write some movies, but for the most part, he had a very uh, low-key career, big in the uh, uh, convention circuit, though. Yep. Stars of this movie. First off, let's talk about probably the guy who did the most work at a literally 180 film credits as an actor. Ken Foray, who played Peter. Uh, you saw him also in Death Spa, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, The Dentist, The Devil's Rejects, 
Rob Zombie film. Also, Halloween, the Rob Zombie film. That's where he was Joe Grizzly, bitch. And then last but certainly not least, he came back to do Salem's Lot. Or not Salem's Lot. Um, Lords of Salem, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other Rob Zombie film that Rob Zombie did. So he has done it. And he's, like I said, I can, if I listed off all of his TV and movie credits, 180. So Ken Foray is a busy man. Yeah, he was. Next up, we had David Imge as Steven, a.k.a. Flyboy. Uh, he did. He wasn't in much after this. Yeah. Once again, he's another one. Basket Case 2 and Hellmaster, which is not a Hellraiser sequel, Diesel. It's just a movie called Hellmaster. Very low budget. Next was Scott A. Uh, Scott H. Raringer, who played Roger, or Trooper, as he's called sometimes. <laughs> Roger. Roger's the best part of this movie. <laughs> yeah. He is my favorite part of this movie. Uh, he was also in a movie that George A. Romero wrote and directed called Night Riders. He was in the Dawn of the Dead remake, too, in 04. Also, Ken Foray was also in the remake oh, yeah. in 04. As a matter of fact, he plays, you know, the guy that, you know how they, they're having the argument on the uh, television show? Ken Foray plays the one guy having the argument in, okay, the, okay. in the remake. Yep. Oh, nice. And uh, Scott H. Raringer just plays a, an army person, mm-hmm. much like he was. Not uh, the lead. He wasn't playing St- uh, Roger again, but he was playing somebody else. And last but certainly not least, uh, Galen... Ross, who played Francine, she only was in a couple movies as well, Mad Men and Creep Show. She was in one of the scenes from Creep Show, and once again, not a, a ton of movies, but she is out in the convention circuit, meeting a lot of people, and living off of the legend of Dawn of the Dead. And the last name that I have to mention because he acted in this movie, but he was also the head of special effects in the movie Magic because it was all practical back then. And this was one of his his first major movies. He's more known for his work on Day of the Dead. He's more known for his work on Friday the 13th, for Friday the 13th Part 4 as well, so two Friday the 13th movies. Also uh, known for Maniac and so much more, the great Tom Savini as a biker in this movie, but also, most importantly, the special effects wizard. And like I said, this was his first big major movie once again, more known for Day of the Dead, but he did Dawn of the Dead as well. And I know that we're all fans of Tom Savini here. This movie had a budget of $640,000. Of course, this is back in 1977, I'm assuming, when they shot. Can you guys guess the box office? I will give you the uh, the clue that this box office is not just its initial release. It is its subsequent releases as well. Ew. 88 million. Ronald. 100 million. Uh, very close for you, Diesel. You're only 22 million off. 66 million dollars. Okay. So pretty good uh, run there, and it's not even counting its streaming yeah. rights and everything else. So let's dive in. Once again, we're not going to play the spoiler alert because I don't think we're going to spoil the movie, but if you're worried about it, dip out because we're going to jump right in. We all recommend the movie, so there's no reason to give you the spoiler-free one. Let's talk about what we don't do scene for scene for the most part, unless it's a movie where we really have to break it down. This is not one of those movies. I will say that uh, if you have not seen Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead from uh, 1978, please watch it. Yeah. Also, I will say that if you haven't seen the remake, the remake also was very good of this. Yes. They came out in 2004. Let's go ahead with our likes and dislikes. Let's start with likes because I know that that's going to be the bigger list. I'm going to start with Diesel because I know that he doesn't like too many horror movies, but this is counted amongst one of his favorites, if not his favorite of all time. Diesel, what do you like about Dawn of the Dead. Once the movie gets going and they finally land and they they set up shop at this you know mall that's been taken over by zombies. This has always been my plan for a zombie apocalypse. I'm going to find a Walmart. I'm going to find a mall because of this movie. The plot line of this of them finding a place and hunkering down. I loved it. And then you know 
essentially starting their own little mini civilization that they had to, you know, work through some issues and clear up their, their land and get going. I love the storyline behind this of just landing in a fucking mall, which are wholly outdated right now. But back in the 70s, malls were a huge thing. Well, they were new back then. Yeah. That was a new concept. I mean, even the dialogue when they find it, oh, that's one of those shopping centers. I think it's one of those new malls. Yep. That's how he puts it. Because obviously, you know, the world went to shit. But yeah, that was new back then. Yep. Uh, that time, I think it was the earlier mid-70s when we saw the first malls, the first real malls built. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that it is a great concept to go to a mall. I love how the mall, like when we were in the mall, I was looking around and I saw the origins of Piercing Pagoda. I yep. don't know if you noticed that in the <laughs> background. And of course, Pennies, JC Pennies, yep. but it was mostly known just as Pennies yep. at that time. Uh, like there was some cool stuff that I saw in that, that mall that I was like, oh shit, that's really cool that they threw that shit in there. I mean, at one point they're eating fondue, which was big at that point. It was fancy, if you will. Uh, and fancy cheeses and shit because yep. at the mall presumably they sold fancy cheeses yep. I don't know but uh, yeah no I thought that it, I thought I think that that is really a cool post-apocalyptic place to hide is a yeah. mall it's got everything you need and I do enjoy that that was their sanctuary anything else you liked about the movie before I pass it around uh, just that it was it's so unique for the time when it came out and the for like the acting and all that it held out for like my first viewing, you know, in the late nineties where I was like enthralled by it. And like we said, we forgot that it was over two hours long because in my head, like it was a quick watch. It's zombies are there. They, they fly out. They land at the mall. Oh, other humans are bad. And it was over. So in my head, it was like an hour and 40 tops. <laughs> I agree. I, I didn't remember how long it was, <laughs> but then after I was in it, we'll talk about that in a minute. I was, I, I was like, Oh shit, it is a little longer. than I remember Ron, what are your likes of Dawn of the dead? No, the solid, uh, the solidness of the practical effects through the whole thing. Like they're, they're, it's right on. Like, yeah, the blood was a little more fluorescent, but that's fine. Whatever. It's it's the seventies horror movie. Like, it's, well, on it, top of that, once again, it's a Jalo film, yeah, technically, because like that's the one thing I don't think people realize yeah. about this film is it's produced by Dario Argento. Yeah. It's a fucking Jalo. It's yeah. a zombie Jalo film, so that's why you end up with the fluorescent blood. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I, that's the only way I'm defending right. it. At the time, it didn't look like it looks now, but I still would put it up against anything going well, on today. Well, also back then, it wasn't as clear either. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's just what it was. So, and then, like, the practical effects of them eating, you know, the zombies eating people. Like, it's literally them biting into something. And, oh, it's them biting into innards from yeah. fucking uh, chickens pigs and, and chickens, chickens and cows and, <laughs> but, like, all sorts of scraps that they could find. It's, it's fucking really it's, weird when you hear the backstory. But it looks right on cute. Like, when they bite a, into a, a human's flesh and they pull something away, they're biting onto something to look like flesh is getting yeah. pulled away. Yeah. It's done really well. It's really good. When you watch Savini films and you realize that his story, you know, goes back to he was a photographer in Vietnam and then he came back and he was he did movie magic, you know, he went because he always wanted to do special effects. He went and learned how to do the movie magic of the day because, you know, there was no CGI back then. And I always go, what shit did he see in Vietnam? Because he's always been able to give like a realistic feel to everything he does. And even with the blood being whatever, once, once again, you have to get over that. But, like, even with that being said, it's a very, very realistic, brutal, guttural feel when they're digging into the flesh of people. Oh, yeah. And they're biting away chunks of people. Like, it doesn't look super realistic, but for the time it did. <sighs> and also, even now, you can see in your mind, like, oh, shit, like, they're fucking biting the dude. And it wasn't just like, oh, well, you know, that fake piece of rubber came off. 
No. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, I, I, th- I, I really think that he's seen some shit oh, yeah. now, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say a second of everything you guys said. I thought that uh, as far as the story arc overall, it's a it's a cool concept, and it's really executed as said cool concept. Also, love the, the, the special effects. I, I'm going to be with Diesel. I'm surprised he didn't say it. I love the cheesy-ass score for this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Goblins score for this film is just cheesy. You end the movie on the, the second-best weird-ass movie-ending thing song which is original for this film not original for the film i'm going to mention since uh full metal jacket yeah. when they end up the mickey mouse club <laughs> it's pure mall music yeah and it fits yeah Solid. and it's fucking and it's just lighthearted. but you just watched people fight and struggle for their lives and you know there's there's the messages you know i know romero has often said that this is about consumerism in america and also obviously you know on all of his movies and I, I do appreciate this and in all of his movies there's you know he grew up in a time where racism especially in western pa was rampant so he always put a nice little bit of like hey you know race relations showing that there's always a strong positive black man just like in night of the living dead further on in day of the dead they do as well so you know he was a champion of a lot of social issues at the time and you have to applaud him for that but i don't think that in this movie specifically and even in day and even in night even those three movies and i think that's why these are the three of his top movies it's not overbearing on the story it's not didactic it's there. You can tell that he's putting a message in, yeah. but you can watch the movie and just be like, "Oh, it was a good movie." Yeah. There's no, it's not over in your face, but at least he put something in there. And I get that, like, if you were watching this in the United States in 1979, the the race relations and social uh, stuff would be a little more in your face than it is in 2022, where we've come a long ways from 1979 in previous years. However, I I applaud him on not being didactic. Because I think that the, when you get too high on a message is really when it takes away from a movie. And I love messages in movies, but you still have to have an entertainment value because it doesn't matter what movie you're making. I just heard Quentin Tarantino say on Bill Maher's show this past week about going to movies and like there's movies that have a message that just drowns it out and people are bored because they forget to put entertainment in it. And then there's movies that have a message that are so entertaining that people don't realize they learned the message, but they did. And I think that he really mastered it here at Dawn of the Dead and later on in Day of the Dead that he started in Night of the Living Dead and did well as, as well. So... I applaud that as far as being into the movie. Also, I will say this. You can't remake this movie exact dialogue because no. they, they, they go on some limbs here. Yeah. <laughs> they do a little questionable stuff, but I will say this. I thought that the dialogue for this movie is spectacular in the way that it is kind of funny at the in a serious way so you don't ever get just drowned in the bleakness of the situation because you got to remember these are you know four people that are surviving in the zombie apocalypse that are now because they have this gigantic fortress of a mall they are cut off from every other human yeah so it's literally like you're the last four people on earth even though there's other people out there and there's of course zombies but you're the last four because you're you're the only people you see every day and I love how they kind of keep it lighthearted and also trying to stay to what, you know, they do. Like, you know, we get them playing racquetball or basketball or even cooking a dinner at the restaurant or going ice skating or learning yeah. to shoe or just going shopping. Mind you, you don't have to because it's all free. Or even taking the money from yeah, the bank. withdrawing the money from the <laughs> bank was so good. And then they're using that money to gamble with, which is hilarious. Yeah. You know, and they're playing in the arcade. But they're doing things that you're trying to keep the humanity, and it keeps it a little funny at the same time. And the last thing I want to say in likes, and I know that Diesel will want to talk about this as well, is this, and we said it in the beginning, 
Our winning star of this movie is Roger. Yes. <laughs> he is phenomenal yeah. in this movie. He is a little bit of comic relief. He is a manly man. He is the problem answer. And then in the movie, he goes a little crazy at times. Then he ends up bit. He ends up dying. And there's that transformation from him being bit to dying where he just becomes like, I don't know. What, <laughs> I, I, I want to say a savant. He's, he becomes, you know what the best thing I can equate it to? Uh, you've seen Tropic Thunder, Simple Jack. Yeah, yeah. He, he becomes a simpleton. Yes. And like he's playing the video game and the video game stops working for a minute and he's just like, Oh, and then it starts again. He's like, yeah. Like, so he's like a child almost. And yeah, like yeah. very childlike. And I thought that that was a really cool touch to this movie, especially because you know that eventually the hard choice is going to be made. And of course, Peter has to do the hard choice in shooting uh, Roger when he finally turns after he dies. Yeah. So it's, it's like this weird, like he goes from being part of the key group to get everything done. Cause it's him helping hotwire the trucks to block the entrances that helps keep them safe all the way to him being bit and dying. Yeah. And it's just this really, really kind of cool story arc. And I think it's the best story arc in this film. Yeah. yeah I think he represents, you know, like the innocence that you're going to lose in humanity as an apocalypse situation yeah. happens. Like he's, he's the innocence of the group, Yeah, which yeah. is weird because like at no point during his pre bite, it was he like the innocent one. He was just a badass. Yeah. Right. And then you, you have like, well, yeah, you're, he, he represents like the average person who's going to get what they're going to do done. But at the same time, he's getting a little crazy and stir crazy. Yeah. So he's kind of like the normal person who is going to get shit done. Then you have Peter. Who's the leader. And yes. very much so. Has to keep everybody centered. The weight of the world is really on Peter's character. And I think that that's... And he makes the best decisions, in my opinion, in this movie. And then you have Flyboy. <laughs> and he's just there to remind you that there's going to be some knuckleheads you have to take care of along the way. And then Francine does a great job of just being the female. She is the, the, the female that's there. And she's trying to survive in this world with three men. And not just being the motherly figure, but has to learn, oh shit, I can't just be the mom of this group. I also have to be a member of this group. And has yeah. that realization early on, she's pregnant and a woman, but she's like, hey, you guys can't treat me like different because I'm going to have to help you guys out at some point. Yeah. And I thought that that was ingenious yeah. as well. Let's talk about negatives. And we'll start with Diesel again. What don't you like about Dawn of the Dead? All right. Some of the dynamics between the characters, like Flyboy and Francine, were a little rough. There was definitely, like, you know that they need to cause some drama to move the story forward, but it's not portrayed on film that well. No. Well, so, also, we're watching this again with 2022 <laughs> eyes or, you know, when I first saw this movie, it was probably the early 90s. Yeah. You said you first saw it in the late 90s. I'm sure Ron also saw this probably in the early 90s like yeah. I did. So, like, times have changed since 1978, 79, 77 when this was probably written and shot. Yeah. But it, still, just like the motivations for her getting angry was just like, oh, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, she's kind of a bitch. Where in reality, she's not. She's voicing her concerns as a logical way. But it's just, it's definitely dated with its gender roles. It's definitely written and probably directed in a way to make her sign winery yeah. in, in the gender roles. Although, I will say this, different than a lot of people, I will say Romero does make her look strong in the movie, though. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, Overall. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of the whiny stuff, but then as she learns how to fly the helicopter and shoot and everything, she does become a vital part. So it's kind of an interesting journey. I think that with you, I dislike her beginning of her journey, being so whiny and dependent, and basically uh, Flyboy being like, you know, uh, if you you better if you know what's good for you, you'll meet me on that roof for that helicopter. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, she he's very, like, domineering over her. Yeah, Flyboy comes off very, like, 
cool and suave in the beginning, but you just learn through the movie that he's just a giant pud yeah. who can't fire a gun without oh, no. endangering everybody else. No. And just kind of cowardly, almost. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use the forbidden word. He's a cuck. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> definitely got cucked. But uh, the entire time, like, their relationship dynamic is, like, he's in control. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, he's kind of fucking dumb. She's like, hey, you're never leave- you guys aren't leaving me without a gun ever again. And maybe I can figure out how to use it. You know, implying, like, yeah. you're a chud. You don't know what you're doing. Quit acting a fool. Mm-hmm. The, the whole fight with them, you know, turning the TV back on and off, trying to hear the thing was a great display of passive aggressiveness that still makes me uncomfortable to this day. <laughs> I would put that in my likes. I do like how that is actually kind of like mir- mirroring a bad relationship. Yeah. But also like the two different hopes. Like somewhere deep down, Steven slash Flyboy hopes that uh, the Calvary is going to come and save yeah. the day. And it almost feels like at that point, Francine has given up on the Calvary. And it's like, here's where, this is our life. At first wait, she was, because at first she was the one like, I, we can't stay here. What about my idea going to Canada? They're fucking everywhere, you know, yeah. whatever. And then like, as she adapts, she goes this is life now yeah. why yeah. are we pretending it's it's anything but this whereas steven's holding this hope that the world Wait, is going to get better which is technically which is usually switched around usually it's exactly. the female role that's always holding on to the hope yeah especially back then so the, it, that shows a dynamic that they showed that was actually really good and, yeah that's what i'm and, saying and, and, I told, love and, it. Told, and told the story great and i love it and in mm. that in that turning off and turning on the tv scene really exemplifies yeah. that because you see the dynamic change at first steven's on board with yeah. peter and roger going oh no we're gonna stay here it's great and she's like oh but i wanted to go to canada and then all of a sudden over time as we move on in this new living situation she is now adapted to their new life and home and he is now waiting for the calvary to come yeah. whereas peter's like listen there ain't no calvary this shit, we're going to have to wait this shit out. And here we have all the necessities that keep yeah. us alive. We, we can stay here until we run out of, you know, what we, we, what we need to live. And that's going to be a while because there's rations and everything on top of real food there. And then they have all the ammo, all the guns, yeah. all the food, all the comforts. Like they have beds and shit. Like they have their own apartment and then they block off the walls so people can't find them even. Yeah. It's, it's ingenious what they do here. Continue on with your bads, Diesel. So last negative is the conclusion to this film you know, they they get the mall cleared out. There's no zombies in the mall. That's taken care of. So now you have to introduce a new obstacle for them. And it's this, you know, roving band of marauders. And I just think storytelling-wise, it got rushed through. Once you get to that third act, it's just like, hey, there's marauders. Hey, they're in the mall. Hey, they're leaving the mall. Hey, shit went downhill and we're flying out of here. It yeah. Is, yeah. The, ver- the third act is just rocket speed fast paced and I feel like with as long as the movie is over two hours they should have actually slowed like they could have taken out some of the other stuff that wasn't as important and made the part about building the marauders up a little more important because then the third act would make more sense I have no problems with the third act itself like when we get into the action beats of it however I do have a problem with the build like you do also it does get a little convoluted because it's so rushed Ron what are your dislikes of Dawn of the Dead no, uh, it's. I, I'm gonna. I'll probably be the idiot here, but like the fact that it's two hours, like uh, sitting through it, it's like sitting through it. I'm like, oh wow, this is actually longer. Than, like, it, and it's like, all right, all right, all right. They're, like, there's a lot of that stuff in the middle that you could have tied down. Oh, you know, got rid, cut out a little bit more. Like the stupid little security zombie dude or the maintenance zombie guy that 
you know, they walk through the maintenance area once. Yeah. You know, you, 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 there's no sign of him. And then all of a sudden, now he's there. Now it's that whole, like. Yeah, we, we already knew Flyboy was. He can't uh, shoot. He can't shoot a gun. That's yeah. all you proved there is he can't shoot. But we've yeah. already seen he can't shoot a gun. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I'm agreeing 100% with you. There's a lot you could cut from this movie. There is a drag period in the middle yeah. that I'm like. And it's not that it kills the movie for me. But it's just like, man, we could have cut out like eh, a good 30 minutes yeah. of this film easily. Or cut out like 30 minutes and then added 10 more minutes of building story yeah, to, yeah. The, the, to the third act. Yeah. And still been in under two hours and built more of a story for the Marauders at the yeah. end of the movie. That's all I wish it would happen. So I'm with you 100% yeah. that it, there's a there's a lot of wasted film. Yeah. And the, like the other part of like they didn't have the actual gates down. On to the begin door, with? To begin with. Like that would have been like once you got the doors locked, put the gates down. Like that was the Marauders were coming. So we had to put them down. Like there should have been like a little montage of them, you know, just getting prepared if somebody did yeah. show up. And the worst part because they make that statement. But the worst part of it is they're not just putting the gates down by the entrance doors. They're putting the gates down of every shop because if they're going to steal our shit, they're going to fucking have to work for it. But it's like, dude, you you stole the shit. Yeah, it's not your mall. This isn't your stuff. Like, like obviously finders keepers in this situation. Yeah. So I get that, but. If that's the case and you were really worried about that, since you have the keys anyways, you should have cloud those gates closed and when yeah. you needed something, opened them up and then closed them back down after yeah. you cleared them all yeah. and everything. And taking all the stuff of high value to your survival situation and taking them elsewhere. Considering you hid the place. Yeah. 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 It's your place now and you're like just take everything upstairs to your little secret place, like all the shit that you don't yeah. want gone. Think about it. The, one of the smartest things they ever did was they make the fake wall. Yeah. So you would never know that they were that yeah. there was there. Nobody, you could walk by it. It looked, it, they did yeah. a good job. Yeah. So here's the thing. And then, Since you did that, then yeah. why the fuck? Why, why were those doors open? Right. <laughs> Behind the fake wall. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it. Why the fuck? Yeah, they should have barricaded those because yeah. they didn't use those because yeah. they climbed into the ceiling. Yeah. But So that's another one. But <laughs> but here's the, the my biggest problem with that. Everything should have been hidden back in that back area because you could have closed those doors like you pointed yeah. out. So there'd only been a, that little gap between the fake wall and those doors so you couldn't get in. And then you could have had all the things of value in that fucking maintenance area. Yeah. Because you didn't even have to put it up in your little no. shack. You could have had everything there. Because then when the marauders came, you could have just fortified the roof. Yeah. Because they did know because of the fucking helicopter, yeah. unfortunately, which is a dumb reason. To, the plot device of her learning to fly the helicopter, which was important, was that they would see them so that would happen. Yeah. And uh, plot armor, but yeah, I don't. I I, yeah. I agree with you. And every gun in that fucking gun store should have been out of that store and, and loaded up, to the brim, and, and with ammo. Yep, all this ammo Agreed. like spread out all over the place. Yeah, so you can defend what's yours. Yeah. Speaking of my dislike that you guys haven't already mentioned, because I think we've hit all of them pretty much. And my last dislike that I didn't like was the plot armor. This movie has got a lot of it. Like I know there's going to be a certain amount of plot armor in every film. This movie is like the king of fucking plot armor. Yeah. Everything in this movie is done just to move the story along to the final, but it doesn't necessarily make sense. Because like you guys just said, why didn't they move all the guns and ammo to their area? Instead, nope, nope, we'll just keep going to the store. <laughs> like, why didn't you move all the valuables? Why didn't you close the and barricade off the door that you're not using behind your fake wall? So even if you did penetrate that wall, that door could have been barricaded. Because now you have access to everything in the mall. So you're yeah. telling me they couldn't have come chain, up with a better... Chain, chained it or anything? Come up with a better... Well, come on. You could have probably put a bunch of shit in front of it, set yeah. up booby traps, all sorts of shit. Yeah. Yeah. This could have been fucking home alone. See, your, your negative of this is what I love about this movie, though. 
because it brings this great conversation of what do you do? You're stranded in a mall during the zombie apocalypse. This is all the things we would do. This is that's a conversation I live for in life. <laughs> well, guess what? I, I agree with the conversation is good, but still, you got to be like, damn. There's a lot yeah. of things that there's a lot of things they thought of that they shouldn't have, and then there's a lot of things that they should have thought of that they didn't. And it makes for like this pl- because yeah. you need to do those things. I.e., the only reason she wants to learn how to fly the helicopter for the movie for the script is so they can see the helicopter land on the yeah. roof and know yeah. there's people there. Like the Marauders, that is. So, like, it's a really weird, weird world that we live in when that's yeah, the case. But even then, like, you didn't even need to see it because they were higher up, too. They had binoculars. So, they could have been like, oh, there's a helicopter on that roof. We can use that. Like, you Or, know. hey, there's a mall. Yeah. We want the stuff that's inside said mall. Yeah. yeah you like, don't need you, you don't need the, people to be there for the stuff inside yeah. the mall. That's just a good thing to have is the shit in the mall. And then yeah. notice that the tractor trailers are blocking all the doors and be like, hey, somebody's hunkered down in there. Yeah. Well, and this is why I think we needed more, like, of the Marauders, like, you know, radioing in, like, hey. We know you're there. We know you're there. Let us, you know, hunker down with you. Yeah. And and then, you know. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Well, (laughs) that is going to do it for the review portion of this. But uh, when the review ends, you know, it's time. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, it's time to play the game. The game is simple. We're going to take scores from all over the internet, fan and critic scores, and these two gentlemen are going to guess the score. It is Price is Right rule, so that means closest to the number without going over gets the point. With the caveat to that being, the final question is closest to the number if we need a tiebreaker, and it could also be worth two points because we like to make shit entertaining. Gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Diesel! Finally won back the throne this past week. Ron has had a hell of a year. He's been a champion more not more than not. So he's in that weird challenger's position. Let's find out if he can win it back. Ron, you get to go first. And the first up is IMDb. Out of 10 using points, what did they give Dawn of the Dead 1978? No, oh, fuck. Uh, uh, are you going first? Yeah, well, you're, that's, you, that's, that's your, that's your duty. <laughs> uh... Diesel. It's got to be higher than that. But I think it's really close. I'm going to give you 0.1 leeway. 7.8. Oh, Jesus. 7.6 for Ron. 7.8 for Diesel. And Diesel gets the point as he hit it directly on. 7.8 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) If you would have said 7.9, you would have busted. Next up, Diesel, you get to go first. Metacritic. Remember, this is critics only. Out of 100%, what did they give? Dawn of the Dead, 78. Critics love to slob on Romero. I'm going to go 80. Ron. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go down to 40 just to hedge. So 40 for yeah. Ron, 80 for Diesel, and Ron gets the point, 71%. Oh, nice. <laughs> Next up will be Ron's turn, and it is the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. This is the critic score. Out of 100%, what did they give? Romero's Dawn of the Dead 78. 70. Diesel. 75. And Diesel gets the point. It was 92%. I I would never have gone that high. So Diesel leads two to one. The next question could be the winner for Diesel. But Diesel, you get to go first on this. Ron Tomatoes fan score out of 100% for Dawn of the Dead 78. 88. Ron. 
70. 88 for Diesel, 70 for Ron, and your winner and still champion, Diesel. It was 90%. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone that high. And Wait, it's good. Like, and for funsies, Google users out of 100% going with you first, Ron. 95. And Diesel. 96. <laughs> and Ron would have been closer, 92%. <laughs> so with that... Those are the scores from around the internet. Critics and fans seem to love themselves. Some Dawn of the Dead 78, or we joined them, or we have a differing opinion. We're going to find out right now because it is time for our nerd score, followed by my critic score. And the nerd score is simple. It is a combination of three things. It's a combination of our critic score, an entertainment score, how entertained we are with the movie, and a recommendation because at the end of the day, that's what it truly is. We mix them all together and we come up with the nerd score for you. And it's got five levels, five tiers. And then we keep it easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Tier one is no. That means it's a terrible film and it should never be watched. Do not waste your time. A two is you've been warned. That means it's bad. It's not quite terrible, but you've been warned and not watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. That means it's a, it's a, a, an average to good film. It's not going to be a waste of your time, but it's not essential for you to go out and watch the movie. If you see it on and you catch it and you like it, that's fine. You're not going to waste your time watching it, but you also shouldn't waste your time searching it out. A four is just take my money which means this is the very good to great films they are movies that if they're in the theater you should go see them you can spend money on buying them adding to your collection they are the essential films that you need to make time in your life to see for sure and last but certainly not least is the rarefied air and that of course is certified nerd the five slot and those are the movies those are the classics those are the best of the best those are movies like jaws jurassic park the original halloween and so many others this year alone we've had spider-man no way home uh then also clerks three and the batman all have unanimous unanimous uh certified nerds We've had other ones that have had one or two of us vote for them, but those are the unanimous, unanimous ones so far this year. So here we go. We're going to kick off the nerd scores with Ron. Ron, what is your nerd score for Dawn of the Dead 78 and why? All right, this is one of those classic movies. Everybody should see this if you're in a zombie film fanatic, zombie anything. This is what has given us, like internet, Walking Dead, later, so many years later. I am pushing it a little high because of the practical effects and everything. I am giving this five. You got to see this. It it's a certified nerd film for Ron Diesel. I will second that. This is a easy five. This is a classic. This is the benchmark for what it is to be a zombie movie. This is a five. This is, it's not the best movie in the world, but it is a classic. It is the epitome of the genre. That means it is a five. You know what? We're going to make it unanimous. I'm also certifying a nerd, and I'm going to follow kind of what Diesel said. This is not the greatest movie of all time, but it is one of, if not the best, zombie movie of all time. You can argue this in Day of the Dead easily. Uh, with that, it is also going to probably be a, the, one of the lower critic scores that I give to a certified nerd. Usually a certified nerd has to be eight and above. you know, And even eight is a stretch, because sometimes it's eight and a half to get you there. I've, I've, I've had movies that were just take my money that were an eight. So... When I give the, the critic score, you're going to be like, wow, that's kind of low for a certified nerd. But it, the thing about the certified nerd scores is it's a recommendation, it's an entertainment, and it's a critic score. So this movie is super entertaining. This movie is also a very highly recommended movie that everybody should see. So I feel like those two things knock it above and beyond to get it from that four slot to the five slot. With that, my critic score 
for Dawn of the Dead 78 is a 7 out of 10. Uh, it's a very good movie. Once again, if it was about a half hour shorter or they shortened a little bit of the useless stuff to give us a little more sustenance, I think it would have been better. There's that, that downtime really does kill this movie, especially on this watch. I remember when I watched it before, I thought it was faster. It's not. There's a big dragging section in the <laughs> yeah. middle that really hurts it. The plot armor is, is ridiculous at times. That's the only reason I bring that up. And on top of that, some of the dialogue is a little sus. And I'm not talking about the insensitive dialogue. I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is. It was 1978. However, I am talking about like some of the suspect stuff that they talk about. So with that being said, Dawn of the Dead, certified nerd unanimously. And that'll do it for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. Next week, we're going to be doing something that's not coming to the theater. Because next week's 3FN Movie Club Review will be of Weird, the Al Yankovic story coming to the Roku channel for free. So hopefully everybody's checking that out because uh, Daniel Radcliffe stars as Weird Al Yankovic. And we'll be reviewing that on next week's show. But... If you would like to agree or disagree with us, you can let us know. Well, you know, usually because we don't want people spoiling, we give them the website. So, Diesel, what is that website? Or, sorry, not website. What is that uh, uh, email address? 3FatNerdsPod at gmail.com. That's right. If you have hate mail, you can go ahead and send it there. Uh, this one you don't have to worry about spoiling because, once again, it was made in 1978. But for everything else, for all other information about the show, go to 3FNPodcast.com. Get our social media links there. Remember to use the hashtag 3FNPod whenever talking about the show. Check that out and uh, make sure you're following us everywhere you can. Also, the Patreon links there, the T Public links there, friends of the show, the music directories there as well, and so much more. And of course, last but certainly not least, the local sponsors, including Dragon Master Games, Rex the Rods, Auto Detailing, and last but certainly not least, Sci Fi Horror Fest. Check all those links out and more at 3FNPodcast.com. Ron, I believe you have some business to take care of. One out of 10 stars. Most boring film ever made. Brief summary. Bunch of losers team together to chuck ring and mountain. Not impressed by the plot? Don't worry, the dialogue is equally dismal. There is nothing to recommend this film. What disturbed me particularly about this film is that it gets the distant impression that people, actors, directors, audiences actually take it serious. This film seems to have made it socially acceptable for otherwise sane people to admit in public that they have an interest in orcs, goblins, wizards, etc. Previously, this is kind of the thing was restricted to geeks scuttling home from game workshops to get back in time for Star Trek. Now, loads of people claim to like this stupid book slash film. Possibly. They think it has a hidden message, particularly in those post-9-11 days. It doesn't. P.S. If I were a dwarf, I would be very insulted by the suggestion just because I'm small, I'd have to live underground and be Scottish. One out of ten stars. Lord of the Rings just sucks people. Well, fuck that person. I am Scottish. Oh. I don't live underground, though. You should. You fucking short fucking Scott. <laughs> fuck you, you Irish prick. That's all I'm saying. By the way, you're Irish and Mexican, you weirdo. You and Louis C.K. And I'm not going to talk about what else you have in common with Louis C.K. We'll save that for 3FN After Dark on Patreon. Well... Hope you guys enjoyed the show this week and our review of Dawn of the Dead 78. Join us next week at the same bat time, same bat channel when we review Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and talk some nerd news. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later nerds. Later. Murdering just sucks.